You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to America's Web Radio, and welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers, the show discussing the business of sports involving everything from the NCAA all the way up to the major leagues. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in today. It's going to be a great show. Got a lot of news to talk about, a lot of emerging stories, and and no, one of those is not going to be the election. We're going to keep it to sports today, keep it lighthearted. Hopefully it should be a good show. And uh, going to jump right in with something that maybe a lot of you didn't think would be starting uh, quite as soon. It seems like just last month we saw the end of the NBA regular season uh, with the Los Angeles Lakers winning the title there. But turns out they've been working diligently in their offseason and They've come to an agreement to open the season, the 2021 season, on December 22nd, uh, right before Christmas, and play a 72-game schedule. Um, Obviously, this is an accelerated plan. Uh, It's way earlier than they've started any other year, mostly because the normal season for 2020 would probably be going on uh, around December, but they got to do what they can. We've talked about before that they need to make the money, not only from uh, potential ticket sales that they might have, um, but from the TV contracts as well. Uh, the new plan for the NBA includes a 72-game schedule, again, beginning on December 22nd. Um, and if you're wondering about how that affects the draft and free agency and all that good stuff, uh, the NBA draft will take place November 18th, as planned, uh, and free agency will commence shortly after with training camps opening December 1st. Um, Now, that timeline enables the NBA to begin a typical 82-game schedule um, for the 2021-22 season on time next fall. So that really seems to be the motivation for everything that they're doing right now, is trying to eventually get back to some sort of normalcy with the NBA schedule. Um, But again, we're going to have a a unique season coming for this uh, 2021 season right now. Um. And, you know, while the NBA and NBA Player Association, they're still in the middle of a collecting bargaining agreement. Um, that'll run through 2023-24. Obviously, they've been coming to negotiate um, because of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and this decision was months of planning and, and execution on the way. Uh, it's going to be probably a similar undertaking to what they did with the NBA playoff bubble. Um, at this point, it does not appear that they're going to do the same bubble format that they did. Um, but there was certainly going to be a lot of COVID-19 safety precautions taken. Um, now, normally, uh, there's 132 days between the start of the season. Um, this year, that's tweaked a little bit. This year, there's only 73 days after the final game of the finals uh, before the first game of the 2021 NBA season. <laughs> they're obviously attempting to make up lost time. But something that's a little interesting here is that the reaction of the players um, to this has been extremely interesting. So we've had many key players say that they're either going to sit out the beginning of the season or sit out the season altogether. Um, Many of the superstars on the Los Angeles Lakers have been coming out and just saying it's simply too early. Um, LeBron said he's going to cherry pick for the first whole month of the season. Um, He has yet to clarify those statements, but... What most people assume he means is that he'll be sitting out a lot of games. Um, so again, I, we talked a little bit about this in our in our last segment. What would happen if, or in our last show last week? What would happen if they came to this conclusion? 
Um, and I just want to offer some of my opinions on what I think will happen. Um, obviously, we've heard players, star players at that, are likely to consider sitting out games. Um, I mean, when the whole reason that a league is coming back is to make money because of TV revenue and, and things of that nature, having stars sit out is so counterproductive um, towards their goal. It's, it's the reason that I mentioned that maybe the NBA should just wait a month to return, come back in late January, let the players rest, and resume business as usual. Um, of course, it's understandable why they'd try to rush back, but if you have your stars sitting out, there's a good chance that those ratings really aren't as high as you're hoping for, um, and it doesn't do as much good to start as early as you would think. <laughs> now, again, I, I want to knock on wood here because this is not something that I hope happens um, but it is another distinct possibility, um, and that is that a shortened offseason could very well lead to some some higher amount of injuries in the league this year. Nobody wants to see that. Injuries are among the worst possible things that can happen in sports, but it's definitely on the table. The players are not used to, have to play, having to play so quickly. Um, with all the non-playoff teams aside, I mean, they've been off for quite a long time now, but... Uh, any of the teams that made a far playoff run, their health could be compromised in the beginning of the season. And again, injuries are going to continue to hurt TV revenue um, and, and continue to hurt the league from a financial standpoint. Um, not to mention, how are they going to handle this comeback? Uh, the United States saw a record 116,707 new coronavirus cases yesterday. Um, and Dr. Anthony Fauci, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, uh, you might also know him as that guy who threw out the first pitch one time in a Yankees game, said recently that sporting events might not see a return to normal until the fourth quarter of 2021. Um, NBA has responded to that. They've, they've said they're seeking to open a portion of luxury suites at a limited capacity this season. <laughs> I mean, that's all fine and good. That could generate you a little bit more money. Um, but the NBA is losing a lot of money. Case in point, um, this delayed start date in December 22nd is estimated to cost the league a little over a billion dollars. And uh, players had little tolerance for further hits to their wallets as the clock kicked on with their decision. Um, with an estimated $4 billion game day revenue drop coming this season because of coronavirus, uh, both of the sides also ultimately decided they needed to come to this decision um, to increase their television visibility and play showcase games on Christmas Day. That was a deal breaker for many of the players. There's always basketball on Christmas. It's the equivalent of the NFL on Thanksgiving. Um, just one whole holiday full of food, booze, and basketball. So... I mean, I, I'm thankful for that from a fan perspective. I do think that the Christmas Day games will be fun. Um, I'm sure I haven't taken a look at the schedule yet, but I'm sure there will be some marquee matchups. Um, and also, they know that their television ratings are down. So the longer that they wait, um, the more likely it is that they play a shorter season with lower television ratings and, and their financials are hurt even more. Maybe if they start before Christmas, they get a game in on Christmas, draw a lot of eyes. And everyone's suddenly invested in the NBA again. Only time will tell, uh, but definitely big news that the NBA is coming back so shortly. Um, 
further news on the NBA, there have been discussions in the NBA on adding a play-in round to the playoffs next season. We haven't gotten a conclusion on uh, this proposal, but it is something that's interesting. Um, the play-in game was a hit in the bubble, uh, and now the NBA wants to expand that setup in the future. So if you're not familiar with the play-in game and what all that was about, uh, the NBA in the in the, um, in the bubble allowed teams that were seeded 7 through 10 the opportunity to play for their playoff spot um, in, a, in a play-in games of sorts. Um, so it's something that allows some of the teams that are right on the edge of missing the playoffs. Uh, for example, you could get many 10 seeds that are only a game back from an 8 seed. And really, why should that 8 seed be going over that 10 seed when they have comparable skill level? There's so many other variables that could go into it. What, one thing that this is going to allow is it's going to allow you as a fan to watch some more basketball. It's going to allow the league to capitalize on a, a money-making opportunity, make a little extra money. And it's going to allow the players the chance to play for a playoff spot. And in all fairness, they probably deserve that shot if they're only a game back. Um, so the proposed format would have game one, a seven seed playing an eight seed with the winner getting the seven seed. And then game two, a nine seed playing a ten seed with the loser eliminated. And then the loser of game one would play the winner of game two. The winner will get the eighth seed, and the loser is eliminated. So, very interesting way for the NBA to give opportunity to some of the teams right on the edge of the playoffs. I think it's a great idea. I think a lot of other sports should start looking at it. As we know, the NFL has recently added a playoff team as well. They added an extra wild card team, eliminated one of the first round buys. Um, and if you're if you as a sports league are looking for a way to generate a little bit more money without fundamentally changing the way your sport operates or media operates around your sport, the best way is to do exactly what they're doing here: expand the playoffs. Um, you don't you don't have to get crazy. You don't have to start adding. Uh, four more teams or, or anything that's going to fundamentally change how your sports playoffs work. You don't want to be adding bad teams to the playoffs, but if there are teams that are potentially able to compete, uh, why not? Why not give them a chance to compete um, and do something fun? I mean, one of the things that makes the NCAA tournament so interesting is that it's a single elimination tournament. Uh, you got to keep winning to move on. And, it routinely outperforms the NBA and, and frankly, outperforms almost every single sport. Um, and, and I think that's because of the do-or-die system, um, the importance on every game, and the fact that anything can happen on a game-to-game basis. Uh, you get into the NBA and you start playing these seven-game series in the playoffs, it's pretty clear the better team's going to win. I mean, that's why they do it. I don't think it's a flawed system. Um, it just sometimes lacks some of the drama that a single elimination game would have. So in adding the single elimination game, I guess what I'm saying is it's going to be exciting, and that's a good thing for the league. Um, So very, very interested in seeing how that plays out. Very excited uh, to see what teams uh, potentially in a 72-game season are able to get that single-game elimination chance that they may not have had otherwise. Uh, With that being said, that'll conclude our NBA coverage for today. If you weren't thinking about the NBA yet, it's already November 6th. We've only got a month and two weeks before it's back. So I know it seems like it just ended yesterday, but pretty soon NBA will be taking over again. Uh, With that being the case, we're not 
Not an NBA season now, so it's time to move on to some of our other sports. Just a quick preview of what our segments will be today. Uh, we're going to go into more detail on the sale of the New York Mets. Uh, we've talked about this previously, and, uh, you know, it's not often that a major sports franchise in a city as large as New York uh, is, A, up for sale, and B, actually completes its sale, but that's exactly what's happened here, so we'll discuss that. Um, the impact of that on professional sports. Um, we're also going to the growth of esports today. Uh, as everyone knows, I'm a big esports fan. I think it's growing quickly and and really going to surpass some of the current major sports leagues in the United States as one of the marquee sports in this country, um, which I know might sound hard to believe, but we'll break down exactly why that is the case. Uh, lastly, but certainly not least, we're also going to talk again about the NHL how they're handling COVID, will they be able to come back, is the league going under? A lot of big questions to answer with the NHL, Um, and uh, let's just say they're not doing as well as the NBA is, Um, so excited to talk about that a little bit. Um, Hopefully you are excited for some of these upcoming segments and you stick around. Uh, For now, we're going to go to a quick break before coming back to MLB Baseball. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, I am Roger B., host of the Locked and Loaded Show on America's Web Radio. Join me live every Tuesday at 1500 for the best in gun news, gun products, and gun politics. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. want to remind everybody that we've got great programming here at America's Web Radio, and we're going to be doing a little something special on next Wednesday, Wednesday coming up, the 11th, Veterans Day. And I want all of you veterans to tune in as we salute America's greatest warriors, the American veteran, and our, all of our military branches, the Army, the Navy, the Coast Guard, the Marines, Air Force. i got to say Air Force. That's where my son is. So got to say Air Force. And I uh, want you to tune in to America's Web Radio on the 11th. That's next Wednesday. Uh, Pete Mecca is going to be joining us and uh, a number of other veterans. And I want to remind everybody that Georgia has something that is absolutely wonderful, and that's the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta. If you haven't been there, put it on your calendar to go. So we'll be getting back with uh, what is his name? I can't even... Jack! We'll be getting back with Jack in just a moment. And uh, his great show, Billion Dollar Ballers. And uh, it's amazing what these guys make. We'll be right back after this. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 
Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers on America's Web Radio. Uh, we had a great first segment about NBA basketball and, and their return coming soon. And now we're going to talk about MLB baseball and the New York Mets have sold. That's right. MLB owners have approved the sale of the New York Mets to billionaire baller Steve Cohen. MLB owners have voted to approve this sale to the hedge fund manager as the new owner of the New York Mets, uh, as was announced at the end of last week. We were waiting on some more approval. They were prematurely announced it last Friday, but I can now confirm that the deal has gone through. Um, the proposed purchase is for 95% stake of the Mets organization um, by an entity of Cohen had already been approved by the MLB Ownership Committee. Uh, Cohen needed 23 out of the 30 clubs to sign off for the deal to be approved. Uh, the vote was 26 to 4. No word on the four teams that didn't approve this or why they may have done so. Uh, but he will be the owner of the New York Mets. Uh, the sale valued the franchise at $2.4 billion. Uh, well, give or take $2.4 billion or $2.5 billion. The funny thing when you're dealing with the uh, point one billion is you're actually talking about a hundred million dollars. Um, so to uh, to the everyday guy, that's that's a that point one makes a huge difference. But I'm guessing to Steve Cohen, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, Cohen is 64, is the CEO and president of Point Seventy Two Asset Management, um, a very successful hedge fund, uh, and he purchased the Mets from. Um, an ownership group headed by Fred Wilpon, uh, his brother-in-law, Saul Katz, and his son, Jeff Wilpon. Um, that family will retain 5% of the team after the sale, which is expected to be totally finalized which in the next, within the next three days. Uh, I really wanted to get into... Um, and I guess I may have been a little bit misleading with this segment on, on second thought, but I really wanted to get into the value of the sale, the growth of the value of sports franchises, and jumping outside of the MLB, really just talking about how sports franchises can be an incredible investment. Um, we talked last week about the SPACs um, that allow you to invest in teams uh, through um, initial IPOs on the, on the stock market. Um, but this time we're actually going to talk about those very few billion-dollar ballers who are capable of purchasing sports teams and why so many billionaires do this and why it's such a good investment. Um, so Cohen first bought into the Mets when the team sought $20 million in minority investment stakes following the collapse of Bernie Madoff's Ponzi scheme, um, which was very costly to the Wilpons, who were the owners at the time. Uh, the limited partnership shares were sold after a proposed $200 million sale of the stake of the Mets to hedge fund manager David Anhorn, uh, which fell through in 2011. Um, so it's very clear, at the time that he was trying to make this investment, the team uh, was not nearly as valuable uh, as it is now. Um, but as we know with sports franchises, they tend to appreciate at an incredible rate. Um, when you look at the, uh, the Forbes list of the most valuable MLB franchises, uh, New York Mets come in at number six. 
um, and they're worth $2.4 billion. Now, uh, as recently as 2009, um, they were valued at less than a, less than a billion dollars. So it's very interesting to see just how quickly um, a, sports va- a sports team can appreciate. Um, quickly, before I get into the other sports and, and the value of sports franchises as a whole, uh, I'll talk a little bit more about the specifics of this sale. Um, and it does kind of relate to actually why the valuation is so high. It's just some interesting counterpoints that then you may not have anticipated uh, being part of this purchase. Uh, Cohen will restore all pre-pandemic salaries, um, so he's going to reverse the 5 to 30% salary cuts that started in March. He values that restoration at over $7 million. Um, so immediately the new owner is putting $7 million into the team. Um, great for all those employees over there getting their full salaries back. Um, he's also made a commitment of $2.5 million monthly to subcontractors, um, which is going to allow uh, 1,000 city field employees to come back and work at the, at the field. Another great, great impact. Um, he's also going to dramatically increase donations by the Mets Foundation and prioritize non-for-profit causes in the city field area donating $17.5 million to programs developed by New York City to make grants for small business uh, surrounding the stadium. Um, so he is pouring um, pouring money into this team, aside from his initial $2.4 billion purchase of the team. And he's doing this because he will, in fact, make it out on the back end. Uh, sports franchises almost always, almost always appreciate over time. Um, the most recent per- professional sports franchise purchase prior to this one was also in the MLB. In 2017, the MLB approved the sale of the Miami Marlins to an ownership group led by Bruce Sherman, which includes Derek Jeter. Uh, they purchased that team for $1.2 billion. That was the second highest purchase price in MLB history, behind only the $2 billion acquisition of the Chargers, or the Dodgers, pardon me, in 2012. Um, So this will be the highest purchase of a baseball team uh, in league history. Now, go back just just that short three years to one of the previous top two purchases, and it was $1.2 billion. This is double that value. So clearly... You're having an exponential growth here. Uh, now, you may be wondering, why did a team in the Marlins that had an operating loss of $2.2 million during the previous season on $206 million in revenue would sell at such a high price? Now, you might also be wondering why not always the most successful teams that sell for the most money. Keep in mind, the Dallas Cowboys haven't been to the Super Bowl in 20 years, yet they remain America's most valuable sports franchise. The value of a sports team is a combination of factors. The Cowboys are a pioneer in creative sponsorship deals, leading to revenue of over $150 million annually. They're the only team in the NFL which retains all of its merchandising sales. 
combine that with the team's popularity, they have incredible merchandise on the field. Uh, and you can see why they are the most valuable sports team in the United States and continue to grow that value. The list of the top 10 most valuable sports franchises in the United States goes as follows. The Dallas Cowboys, New England Patriots, New York Yankees, New York Knicks, New York Giants, L.A. Lakers, Golden State Warriors, Washington Redskins, San Francisco 49ers, and Los Angeles Rams. It's a whole lot of NFL teams. And then a few NBA teams and the major, major market. We're talking pretty much just the Mets uh, baseball teams. Mets and Yankees. Yankees are obviously going to be high on that list as well, but they're not selling any time soon. Break it down. Why are the NFL teams the most valuable, and, and why are billionaires willing to buy these teams? The brand of the NFL is so strong that they bake in, into their business model, expected increases in revenue. Year over year, they consistently, with the exception of this coronavirus pandemic, are getting more and more TV revenue. Now, a lot of people don't know this. It's not every year that uh, a billion-dollar owner of a sports league makes money. I mean, I, it might sound shocking to you to think. You might think, oh, these billionaires are making hundreds of millions of dollars every year from, from, their, uh, from their teams. No, in, in most cases, sports owners, sports team owners, lose money year in and year out on the operations of their team. The reason they purchase these teams as an investment is over time, when they eventually decide to sell, they're going to make a whole lot more money. Uh, many different revenue sources go into supporting the leagues as a whole. Um, it doesn't always mean that the team is making money. Uh, in many cases, there's a revenue share um, where the team, the teams will get the redistribution of all the league's revenue um, and then that'll mitigate losses and in some cases create a modest gain. But typically, the way these sports team owners make their money is on the back end. When they choose to sell the team, they'll sell it for a lot more. Um, I, and if you want one example of this, I think the best example that we can give, uh, which we talked about briefly just a moment ago, is the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are... Uh, have been and continue to be one of the most valuable sports franchises in not only the United States, um, but in the world. I mean, when Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys, uh, who would have expected that the Cowboys would go on um, to be such a valuable franchise? Um, well, clearly Jerry Jones had some insight into that, um, but not everybody knew that. I mean, when he bought the Cowboys... He bought them for $150 million in 1989. The team's currently valued at $5.5 billion. Think about that. It hasn't been that long, folks. It's only been 40 years. I mean, uh, sure, a decent chunk of time, but we're not talking about over hundreds of years. We're talking in 40 years, his investment on the Cowboys is 50 times more valuable. Now, I don't know how many of our listeners are Cowboy fans or followed the Cowboys in 1989. It's not like the Cowboys in 1989 
uh, weren't a major NFL team. They were still a major NFL team. The value of all the te- teams in the league has just exploded to this point. So anyway, just that segment, uh, we obviously talked about the Mets. Um, and I'll conclude it on that note. And, and really, I just want to, to sink in, let everybody know that there's a reason that billionaires buy sports teams. It's because it's almost an assured assured uh, banking of cash on the on the sales side. When they sell the team, they're going to sell it for more than they bought it for. It's almost a certainty. Um, that being the case, we're going to jump into some esports in just a minute, but quick, uh, first a quick short break. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. And tomorrow on the Classic Car Show, Steve and uh, Jim will both be in, and we'll be doing part two of the Ray Maxfield, and he has the Vintage Car Club of America. And uh, we did part one last week, which was great, and tomorrow we're having fun and doing a second part. We've never done this before, having a part one and part two, but there's so much story to tell, and... uh, Ray is a wonderful gentleman and uh, very informative and very interesting. So we invite you to tune in at 8 a.m. Eastern Time tomorrow for the Classic Car Show only on America's Web Radio. Hey, folks, this is Victor Armanderas with the On Point with Victor show. Just to remind you, don't miss every Tuesday 2 to 3 live right here on America's Web Radio. And remember, I'm not angry. I'm just right. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers on America's Web Radio. Welcome back to another fun segment talking about eSports. That's right, eSports. Video game sports. Um, I mean, three to five years ago, uh, I don't know that many people would have considered video games a sport, but they're certainly a sport now. Um, I remember when I was uh, when I was coming up, the Nintendo Wii was all the rage. I I played Tony Hawk's Pro Skater on the Nintendo Wii, and I never thought I was playing a sport. I, I just thought I was eating Cheetos and um, and uh, sitting on the couch relaxing. But now, every time your kids or yourself plays a video game, um, at a, if you're playing it at a decently high level, you can start to consider yourself an athlete. Um, but, you know, enough of my opinions on esports as a sport. Uh, the fact is, um, when you get enough people invested uh, and when it produces enough revenue um, and, and there's enough competition and, and you start to make enough money, uh, anything can be a sport. And video games have certainly become one over the last five years. Uh, and there's no better example of that than the NBA 2K League, um, which is currently absolutely exploding in popularity. 
um, this week, the NBA 2K League. Uh, and if you're not familiar with that, essentially what it is is um, every NBA team sponsors a 2K team, and 2K is the video game for the NBA. Um, it's got all the players, the teams, it just basically it's virtual NBA basketball. Um, and each team sponsors a team of professional gamers. Um, each gamer controls one of the players on the team. And uh, all these different teams play against each other, and the format's exactly the same as the NBA. Uh, they go in, they play, they have a playoff. They also have several tournaments and, and a draft and free agency, and it really tries to mirror the NBA just in video game form. Um, now, they recently announced a new tryout process for the next season, which takes place in 2021. Uh, the new format includes more than 35 pro-am tournaments, pro-am tournaments meaning professional and amateur tournaments, hosted by the NBA 2K League teams. Um, the winning teams featured as part of the league-hosted 2K League Draft Prospect Series and a first-of-its-kind NBA 2K League Combine. Uh, it's the first step in the 2K League's rapid growth, uh, with their managing director, Brendan Donahue, um, who's called this transformation absolutely incredible. Um, and if you're wondering why we're talking about the 2K League, their viewership is growing rapidly. Uh, this was only their third season, and it saw a huge jump in broadcast distribution and viewership. Their broadcasts on Twitch are up nearly 70% year over year. And on top of that, they've added numerous distributors around the world, including ESPN2. Uh, live games were shown on ESPN2, ESPN's digital platforms, Sportsnet in Canada, and on delay on the EGG network in a big network in Southeast Asia, and Loco, another big network in India. Uh, these were the first ever broadcasts of the 2K League games on linear television. And in total, ESPN2 picked up 29 nights of broadcasts over the season. And every NBA 2K League match on ESPN platforms also aired live in the Caribbean, Latin America, Oceania, and Sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, combining Twitch viewers with the unique viewerships on ESPN and the NBA 2K League received at least one million, yeah, a million people watched this thing. Unique viewers every single time it was shown on ESPN2. So even if you yourself are doubting this and you're saying this isn't a sport, why would anyone watch people play virtual basketball on television? Over a million people are watching it every time you turn it on, so it's clearly got some draw. Uh, the NBA 2K League Finals this year saw 1.1 million viewers on Twitch alone. I mean, these are incredible numbers, and outside companies are starting to take notice. Um, they've increasingly been catching the eye of sponsors as they've reached 14 marketing partners this season, the most ever for one of their prior seasons. And it includes five new partnerships, a partnership with GameStop, Justin, SAP, and Tissa, and DoorDash, uh, who is, the, in fact, the presenting sponsor of the 2K League. Uh, the fans' level of passion for this sport is incredible. And the reason that I believe uh, perhaps that it's becoming so popular is the fans can actually play the sport and hope to play the sport and achieve the same level of success as the actual athletes in the league. I'm a 5'10 white guy. If I'm watching LeBron James in the NBA Finals, I can't do that. 
I, I just I, I could play I could practice basketball for ten million hours in my lifetime and never come close to being able to do what an NBA player can do. But if I play fifteen thousand hours of the two K video game a week, who's to say I can't be a professional NBA two K player? And that's really what's so appealing. And the statistics show that. The average fan of the NBA 2K League plays 30 hours of 2K a week. 30 hours of video games a week. So this is an incredibly passionate fan base uh, who, who reasonably believes that they have a chance to achieve this level of success and join the NBA 2K League. Um, so I, th- I think that's something that makes it amazing. And we're talking about something that's now accessible to all different races, genders, uh, people who, who might be uh, mentally or physically disadvantaged. Anybody can play this sport. Um, and obviously it's not, that doesn't exist in other sports. That's why there's a WNBA and an NBA. Um, but in the NBA 2K League, anyone can play. Uh, as you were saying, esports is exploding in popularity. It's growing very, very quickly. Um, but the NBA 2K League and esports is also helping to grow the NBA audience. Um, the NBA, obviously, without a doubt, one of the most renowned sports leagues in the world. Uh, they got the big stars, your, your Jordans, your Kobe's, your, your LeBron. Uh, these guys are cultural icons. Uh, many people are aware of them, uh, not just the avid NBA fans, um, but those who, who have yet to even watch a single basketball game in their life probably know their three, three names. Um, but just like any other sports league or entertainment medium, the NBA lives through its audience. Uh, the entertainment they provide is, is entirely dependent on the viewers that they have. And obviously they want to expand their viewers. Um, and, and in many ways, they're treating the NBA 2K League with the esports competitions as a marketing plan. Um, when you look at the NBA 2K League, uh, it's projected by 2023 that approximately 351 million people around the world would be occasionally viewing esports as a form of leisure. Um, and many of these fans may not intersect. You can have fans that uh, have never even watched an NBA game but love to play video games, and they found that they can compete in the NBA 2K video game. So next thing you know, you've opened up a whole market of people who would have never watched, uh, I don't want to call it real sports, but uh, screw it, people who have never watched real sports, people who have never watched basketball or football on TV. But they'll go ahead and they'll watch the NBA 2K League on TV, and they'll think, hey, maybe I should start watching real basketball so I can see how these players are playing with their virtual players uh, in a way that's similar to real basketball. Not to mention, um, esports is such an effective way for the NBA to penetrate audiences outside of the United States. I know that we on this channel, America's Web Radio, have a lot of listeners from outside of the United States. Um, So this is something um, that I would be extremely interested in in learning a little bit about, um, and that is... Uh, one, are you an NBA fan? Do you watch the NBA? If so, um, do you also happen to watch esports or vice versa? Do you watch the 2K League or not the NBA? 
Um, I recently opened up a new Twitter. It's just Jack Christides uh, on Twitter. Um, you can follow me on there. It's, we're going to start pushing uh, billion-dollar ballers on the Twitter platform a little bit more. So I'll be making a billion-dollar ballers page as well. Feel free to go give that a follow. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, and tweet at me. Let me know if you're a listener from outside of the country. Are you watching the 2K League and are you watching the NBA? Um, because a big plan of the NBA is to ensure that they can get some international fans and they think that the 2K League uh, can be able to assist in facilitating that. And there does happen to be a large crossover. Um, in the past, we've talked about how sports has a Gen Z problem, how Generation Z doesn't watch sports across the board. Uh, they watch sports at much lower levels. Um, and Gen Z really is the main target audience uh, for the NBA 2K League. Uh, many of these people haven't had the privilege of watching Air Jordan dominate teams in the NBA. They, they're catching the tail end of LeBron James's career, and as great as he is, Father Time is undefeated. Um, so their sports heroes and sports icons have kind of yet to be determined. And who knows, maybe their sports heroes, their sports icons, are going to be NBA 2K League players. Fortnite players, League of Legends players. There's probably many of you listening right now that have no idea what I'm talking about right now. I've never heard of some of these video games, but I assure you that Gen Z fans, Gen Z listeners, um, Gen Z video game players, this is... They don't go out and throw a baseball. They sit down, grab some controllers, and they play a game of 2K. So... Times are changing, and sports are changing with them. Um, and I think it's honestly great to see. Uh, so that concludes our, our talk about uh, about sports leagues there, um, about the 2K League and, and how it's growing and how esports as a whole has been changing. Um, I think it's pretty interesting stuff. If you, if you want to check it out more, I'll be posting on the new Twitter, the Billion Dollar Ballers. And again, we'll just be at Billion Dollar Ballers. I'll be posting some more topics to articles about esports because um, I think it's something that really everybody should, should do a little research on. Again, I've talked about it as an investment opportunity, an emerging market. And just really, you know, if you're a sports fan, it's, it's uh, in my opinion, it's pretty cool to just check out how sports as a whole are changing. Um, so with that being said, uh, quick preview of our next segment and, and NHL, uh, NHL hockey and how that's going to be affected. Uh, we talked about in the past that perhaps hockey won't be able to operate with fan, without fans in the seat. Um, they're going to be losing a lot of money. And, and if you remember, uh, take, take yourself back a couple months now. Um, the NHL and the NBA, I mean, there were a lot of parallels drawn. They both did bubbles. Um, they both had interesting, uh, interesting attack, ways of attacking this coronavirus and seem to be doing well. But uh, we're going to answer why the NHL has recently fallen behind. Um, and I would no longer consider okay. them on the forefront of, um, of managing the coronavirus. So we'll okay. talk about that a little bit again after our final short break. And you're not coming in today, right? Not today. I've, I've got this conflict. They changed the meeting time. Okay. All righty. We'll talk to you later. 
McAllister's Auto Transport is a privately held company celebrating our 75th anniversary this November, specializing in enclosed-only transportation to the OEM, personal snowbird market, and our favorite market of all is the collector market. Give us a call at 800-748-3160, or you can reach us on the web at McAllister's.com, and that's M C C O. L-L-I-S-T-E-R-S dot com. Large enough to handle all of your transportation needs, small enough to provide you the old town, old school service that you come to expect when you're moving your baby. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. And one more time, I want to remind everybody that uh, November the 11th is Veterans Day. If you have a veteran in your home or family or friend, bake them a cake or do something nice for them. And uh, remember, we're going to have a special show on uh, November the 11th. Uh, we always talk about veterans here, and we love our veterans. If you see a veteran or a active duty person in the airport, buy them a meal, buy them a cup of coffee, or buy them a drink, whatever's best. But keep in mind, they're the folks that will be keeping us free, and uh, we're going to need them, I'm afraid. So with that being said, uh, we'll be getting back to uh, Jack in just a moment. This is Jim Davis with Operation Santa. Each year, we purchase Christmas gifts for all of the children of all Georgia servicemen and women who are deployed overseas during the holidays. Our annual fundraising event, the Freedom Fighters Open Golf Tournament, is being held on Friday, November 6th at the Bridge Mill Golf Club in Canton, Georgia. I would like to personally invite you to join us in raising money to support Georgia's troops and their families. For more information and to register a team, go to OperationSanta.org. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers, and welcome back to our final segment. Uh, Something we don't talk about that often on this show, and maybe it's because I'm guilty of being one of many Americans who may not be the most fond of American ice hockey. Uh, But nonetheless, it's one of the major sports of this country, and it deserves some coverage, especially if we're going to be talking about esports all the time. Um, So what do we know right now about the NHL and COVID? Uh, Well, we know that uh, the NHL was able to successfully complete a playoff bubble, um, including the least viewed Stanley Cup finals of all time. Um, We know that they did exactly what the NBA did. They brought all the teams to one bubble. Uh, They managed to uh, avoid any coronavirus cases and complete their season when many didn't think it'd be possible. Uh, what has changed since then? Well, we now know how the virus is transmitted, how to create safe environments, uh, how to do better testing to rapidly identify positive tests. There's better treatment and a vaccine pipeline that's robust at this moment. Although we'll see what happens if Joe Biden becomes president, which he said he will. And I am not optimistic. That being the case, uh, what have we learned about COVID-19 and the NHL since March? 
Um, well, I think the obvious is that getting people together in an indoor environment without proper safety measures can amplify the infection in those settings. However, with that being said, I think we've also learned that we can't allow this virus to control us and take over our lives. Uh, if the sports world had listened to the rest of local, mostly Democrat, but I won't get into that, politicians, we may not have gotten the completion of the NHL season. Certainly wouldn't have gotten the start of the NFL and a completion of the NBA season. And although ratings are low, uh, the NHL made back a substantial amount of money uh, by allowing their season to finish. Um, they're certainly going to want to have their 2021 season. Uh, and in many cases, they're going to want to do it with fans. Um, so can the NHL pull this off? They've talked about doing, quote-unquote, hub cities in the past. Um, almost everyone they've talked to, or everyone that I've talked to, uh, has echoed that same objective. They want to play fans in front, or play games, pardon me, in front of fans next season. Some teams want to do that from the start. I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning want to have fans in their season the whole time. And why the hell can't it? I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have fans in their stadiums. I understand we're dealing with an infectious disease here, but it's your prerogative. If you are a fan who wants to go to a game, open it up. Have fans in the game. Uh, especially if what they're doing is simply the hub city. Uh, and their plan, which is still in early stages, we have three regional bubbles in the U.S. Uh, with one location in Canada, um, which would feature all the Canadian division due to the issue we're having right now, which is a major issue. Um, the Canadian teams are struggling getting back and forth to the to the United States. And the NBA, the Toronto Raptors, have mentioned playing in Kansas City, of all places. Um, so that's a whole different angle that I hadn't anticipated talking about on the show today. I'm not going to go into it in too much depth. Um, but Canada's having a lot of trouble making the exception and the distinction that professional athletes that play in American sports leagues, because we do share some teams with Canada, uh, are going to need to cross the border back and forth. And that obviously creates risk, and they've been fairly risk-averse with the virus to this point. Um, back to the NHL and this idea of regional bubbles. Uh, I don't think that these bubbles have serve any purpose. And I'll, I'll tell you why. The reason the NBA bubble worked is because they essentially closed the gates to Disneyland with the entire NBA inside and said, if you leave, you're quarantining for two weeks or you're not coming back. It worked because there was a literal 0% chance of anybody contracting the virus. They were in an environment where everybody had been quarantined for at least two to four weeks. Nobody could leave and see anybody that hadn't been in that bubble. You've got a group of people that you know don't have coronavirus that are never exposed to anybody who could have coronavirus. But that's not the case with what they're planning in the NHL. Uh, you're going to need a behavioral change in the NHL. Uh, you're, they're creating a safe rink environment, sure, but that's only about four to six hours of the day. Uh, what's important is what these players are doing the other 18 hours of the day. Uh, it's going to take tremendous buy-in from the players and anyone else to actually make this bubble worthwhile. Otherwise, what happens is you have what's happening in the NFL right now, where you've got players like my favorite quarterback, Matthew Stafford, who I'm sure is trying to be safe. I mean, he has a wife at home who has uh, has some 
some unlucky health issues. So I'm sure, not blaming anybody for getting this, just to be clear, but um, you have all these rules and procedures, and yet you see players of Matthew Stafford's caliber, Cam Newton's caliber, a uh, previous MVP, contracting the coronavirus. So you can be as safe as you want, but the only surefire way to avoid uh, getting coronavirus is to do the actual bubble like the NBA did, and that is extremely difficult to do, especially in a league like the NHL, where they, where they rely far more on their actual ticket sale revenue than most other leagues, uh, again, due to their smaller television contracts. Um, without question, they're going to at least want the Stanley Cup playoff tournament played in front of some limited capacity of fans. Uh, it, it seems inevitable for hockey. Uh, they're obviously being really careful right now, um, but they have to get on this timeline of at some point in 2021 allowing fans. Um, again, if the Dallas Cowboys and Tampa Bay Buccaneers are allowing fans, there's no reason the Stars and Lightning shouldn't. Although these indoor environments do create a little more hesitancy. So the next question becomes, can the NHL convince fans to return uh, when they're able to have fans? And this brings it back to the quote-unquote hygiene theater, as uh, some insiders have been calling it, environment and concept. What steps do arenas have to take to be safe uh, versus actually making the people feel safe on a return? Let's be honest here. NHL fans are not as rabid, they're not as enthusiastic about their sport as many other sports fans are. I mean, I, I just, I, it's just a fact of the sporting world that people don't get as excited about the NHL as they do about the NBA and the NFL. And that's no slight to the league. It's still one of our most successful leagues. It's just a fact. It's why the TV ratings are lower. It's why the contracts are lower. Um, and it's why seemingly nobody's been talking about the return of the NHL on any of the major networks. Um, now, we're happy to bring you coverage of that here on America's Web Radio and Billion Dollar Ballers. Um, but it's certainly a topic that doesn't get the national press that many other sports topics do. And it's really a great, great question. How do you make the players, the fans, feel comfortable coming back? Now, there have been some unique proposed solutions to this. One of those, which I actually, I, I like this a lot, um, is hosting NHL games outside. Now, the Winter Classic, if any of you are familiar with it, is a game that the NHL holds that they've played outdoors in an outside ice rink. Logistically, it's a nightmare. I mean, it's tough to pull off. It takes a lot of buy-in, and you have to have a lot of desire. But, I mean, we're talking about rescuing the league here. We talked about prior, if you don't get fans into these NHL games, at least on some level, it's just not worth it for the league to have a season at some point. The amount of money they're going to lose is just astronomical. Um, so one of, one of the solutions is doing games outside. Some of the other solutions are simply wait for the uh, vaccines to kick in and then make fans part of your, your larger equation. Um, but the bottom line remains that, one, the NHL is going to need fans on some level in order to support their league. Two, they're going to have to make sure it's safe for fans. And most importantly, they're going to have to make sure that they can convince the fans to feel safe and come to the game. We'll follow that and see, see what new solutions they propose. Um, but I'm happy to be able to bring some, some coverage of this topic because, again, 
haven't seen it on your ESPNs or, or your Fox Sports, um, it's something that needs to be addressed. Now, um, that'll conclude our coverage of the NHL today, and it'll actually conclude our final segment. Uh, we've talked about some things today that, that don't get a lot of coverage nationally, and, and I want to say that moving forward, um, Billion Dollar Ballers is always going to cover the biggest stories. We're always going to cover the emerging story. And we're going to try to get you some insider tracks uh, on some of the news, the sports business news, that you may not be able to hear anywhere else. Uh, but I also feel it's important to start start covering the topics um, that the ESPNs and the, and the Fox Sports and any of your local cable sports channels aren't covering. I mean, there's a lot of stories out there that are not only um, super essential to how sports business operates, but super, super interesting, super fun to talk about. And sometimes it boggles my mind that these aren't stories that are talked about everywhere. Um, I mean, but I find it fascinating what the NBA 2K League is doing. Um, And I, I hope that you do as well. And I hope that I can continue to bring some of that good content to you guys as we move forward. Uh, again, follow me on Twitter, Jack Christie's at Jack Christie's, and coming in the next few days, follow Billion Dollar Ballers on Twitter as well. Um, we're going to start getting some more social media engagement, so we'll shoot you a follow back, and, and hopefully we can start talking on Twitter as well. Um, with that being the case, I'm Jack Christie's. This has been Billion Dollar Ballers on America's Web Radio. Uh, we'll see everyone next Friday. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.